Every time a missile misses its target, a train derails, or a faulty airbag fails to save a life, we wonder whether these failures, which can sometimes reach catastrophic proportions, are caused by a counterfeit part that may have infiltrated the supply chain. Welcome to People to People, working together for your safety with host Stan Salat, Jr. Stan has the answers to your questions on protecting yourself and the safety of your loved ones, including your pets. Don't miss out. Now, here is Stan Salat. Hello and welcome to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat, Jr. Our show today, Beyond Recycling. Challenges of Chemical Cleanups is all about the issues surrounding the cleanup and disposal of asbestos. I am pleased to have today Mr. Tony Nacito, a pioneer in the specialized field of non-thermal EPA-approved destruction of asbestos process, that's a mouthful, known as, the way I like to say it, ABCOV um, methods actually, and um, he, he is the subject matter expert today on this subject of asbestos. I also have standing in for our regular guest, Frank uh, Ch- uh, Chano, senior partner at Goldberg Sagala. We actually have Andrew Schultz, one of his partners, who specializes also in chemical cleanup, uh, the legality, the legal aspects of this. Uh, He'll be with us today also discussing issues related to this toxic material, how it affects us, what has to be done to dispose of it, and some of the legal ramifications faced by those dealing with it. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors that make this show possible. Our organizational sponsors are the Hazardous Substance Free Mark Alliance and the Counter-Free Mark Alliance. You can find those at www.hsf.us and counterfeitavoidance.org. Or you can find them on my brand new website, www.stansalotalloneword.com. We also have Business and Quality Process Management, LLC. BQPM provides business process and quality management consulting, training, and software tools. They can be found at www.bqpm.com. That's bqpm.com. And Secure Components, one of our gold sponsors, an independent distributor specializing in obsolete and hard-to-find components. Sierra Components is the first company in the world to achieve international certification for their counterfeit detection and mitigation process. Uh, Those process controls, they've received uh, that certification at an international level based on industry standards created by the SAE organization known as AS6081. You can find that. Uh, secure Components at www.securecomponents.com. Um, as we go forward, I'm actually going to uh, refer to uh, Andrew now and ask him. We have a legal disclaimer that we read at the beginning or we state at the beginning. It has to do with us not wanting to confuse folks. So, Andrew, first let me welcome you to the show. Thank you very much, Dan. Um, just wanted to just inform everyone that what I'm going to be speaking about today 
um, is a communication to it, it, to you, but is not meant to be uh, to create an attorney-client relationship with Goldberg Segala or with me. Um, obviously, the creation of a, of such a relationship would require uh, personal contact through uh, my firm um, and would require an explicit agreement with my firm uh, in order to create an attorney-client relationship. Um, this information is for informational purposes only. Um, there's no intention to solicit new clients or new agreements. Um, the opinions I will express are, are my own and not uh, those of my firm. Um, other than that, um, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Thank you very much, Andrew. And uh, now let's let's get into the heart of this. We we actually have three segments. Let me uh, touch on this. We have three segments. Uh, we'll have some breaks in between, but we're going to be discussing, as I said, the things that uh, relate to that asbestos and the cleanup. And to do that, I've got Tony Nasito with us today. Hello, Tony. Hi, Stan. How are you? I'm doing excellent, and I really appreciate you taking the time today to be with us. I understand you're up there in the frozen tundra of uh, New York or someplace like that. We have a vicious snowstorm right now, <laughs> so we're in the tundras of that. Well, fortunately, we're keeping you inside where you can be nice and warm and uh, chat with the, with the audience. That's a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to thank you for having me on your show, People of People, Voice of America. And I want to thank you as well for allowing me to speak about the non-thermal APA-approved uh, simple chemical physical ABCOP method of asbestos destruction, which is the only non-thermal asbestos destruction process available in the world today. It provides zero asbestos waste to the landfill, zero asbestos liability to the asbestos owner. ABCOP destroys all six forms of asbestos embedded in all matrices of asbestos-containing material, and it reduces waste by about 50%. Now, that's, that's fantastic. And for those of you listening, uh, let me, let me uh, interject here. The Tony has dedicated the past 30 years of his life to become a pioneer in the specialized field of non-thermal EPA-approved destruction asbestos process. And as he pointed out, that's known as the ABCOV method. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, that, and um, I think I can say this without any concerns or issues, but Tony has worked in removing such materials from major projects, including Macy's, uh, Wayne, is it, uh, New Macy's, Jersey? Wayne, New Jersey, uh, did one in Smithtown, done work in, the, in several airports. I had my first uh, plant up in Griffith Air Force Base up in Rome, New York, which was, unfortunately was realigned. And uh, I had a second one down in Avenue, including grounds in Maryland. I've worked with nuclear waste with the Department of Energy. And I worked several other projects as a contractor, removing and demolition uh, of asbestos. I worked in Madison Square Garden, where I basically started the second part of development of this. They were kind enough to give me uh, uh, the southeast escalator tower to fool around with the process to uh, destroy the asbestos. And we tried several different things. We got to a point where uh, we found what the best method was, but it needed a lot of improvement. It took about 30 years to develop this. I still see material, asbestos-containing material that I've never seen before. 
and wow. you have to know, know how to treat it even after all these years. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, what took, that's what took all the time. And I'm sure I'll see other materials I've never seen before. Yes. Uh, it, it's an interesting uh, topic, and it's one that, you know, growing up, I started as a youngster working for my dad, who was a general contractor, and I can remember using and implementing uh, things with asbestos. That was before we realized that it, it had some issues. Uh, Andrew, if I could draw you into this a bit, um, I suspect there's a number of legal issues surrounding uh, asbestos and, and the disposal of that as well. Oh, oh absolutely. Um, and I'm sure Tony is being part of this is steeped in the federal and local regulations that govern um, everything to do with asbestos and, and you know each state and many localities have specific um, protocols that require um, obviously you can imagine the type of segregation of an area and um, uh, wearing of appropriate um, um, gear and, and things of that nature for those who are um, remediating um, asbestos and all the way from the point of the building or the entity to which the insulation or whatever the asbestos-containing component product is, all the way to disposal and um, landfill or however else it is being uh, disposed of. It is a highly regulated, very expensive proposition. Um, and I think it's, if I may, I think it's important to start out with the point that a lot of people think of asbestos as purely related to uh, pipe insulation or um, some sort of spray f spray on insulation for commercial uh, buildings. But asbestos was used um, by many, many, many companies in many different types of products. And that is um, an ongoing uh, litigation issue, which we are now in the, you know, the fifth decade or so of, of asbestos litigation, which began with what we call the traditional products, which are the uh, the one the first ones that I mentioned, the, the pipe insulation, things of that nature. The litigation has morphed considerably. All of those, what we call on the defense side, bad actors, those who actually manufactured um, certain types of insulation that um, are probably the most dangerous uh, uh, are now bankrupt, they're all gone. And so when, where we are today um, is uh, the litigation is exposure to products all the way into, at some point, the 80s, 1980s, for other non-traditional, what we call non-traditional products that you would, I think most people don't think about may have contained asbestos. So um, there are, it's a very complex legal uh, system from the remediation point of view all the way to um, people claiming exposure to the product. And I think it has to be uh, noted that, you know, the, the asbestos is, um, there are a number of different types of asbestos that, that a lot of people get confu confused about too. Right. But the, <clears throat> the, the generally... It's, a, it's almost universally, I think, accepted that asbestos is not any uh, hazard to anyone if it is not friable, meaning it does not go into the air. 
Um, there is asbestos in the ambient air. You and I are breathing asbestos right now. Um, it's just a matter of dose and the type of asbestos fibers that are released from, say, pipe insulation that contains a certain component um, and the chemical composition that can happen if you inhale a certain amount over a specific period of time. Um, so it's, answering it's your really, questions. Yep. It, yeah, it's it's really a, a, an issue and uh, one that's been going on for a while. And it'll continue to go on for years. When, when did you, Tony, when did you first get involved with it? You, you indicated that you've been working on it for 30 years in your bio, but what kind of got you into this? I was a, I, I started in the construction business as a uh, paving and drainage contract. And believe it or not, they used to have a thing called asbestos uh, pipe uh, that was, was transite pipe, which is right. asbestos, concrete asbestos pipe. We used to put it in uh, uh, dry wells for drainage for a parking lot. I couldn't. I started in a demolition business in the winter time, and continued with the demolition business. And I got a project in Macy's, and I hired a special removal contractor, which I had to ultimately fire. And then I ended up in the asbestos business, which then um, I saw a need to do something because this was one building. This was two hundred thousand square feet. There is multiple buildings with asbestos in them. Uh, even the building I'm in today in New York that's built 100 years ago has asbestos in it. It has, has it in the walls. So I figured something had to be done to dispose of it. They changed the regulations over time. Um, they have a new regulation, which is uh, 108B under the circular. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, under circular, which requires financial assurance to future liabilities from companies that, that create the future liabilities. Um, and circular requires treatment and that permanently significantly reduce uh, volume, uh, mobility of substance, and the hazardous substance, and toxicity. And APCO does all that with asbestos. Uh, circular was eventually turned into Superfund. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, I remember hearing about Superfund. I also remember, as you were mentioning that, I, I used to, one of my first jobs working for my dad as, as a youngster was actually carrying that uh, pipe that you referred to uh, from place to place for him so he could put it in wherever it needed to be. Right. We used to, we used to put in the transit pipe. There's, there's the statistics, which I think I sent you, on the amount of people that die and exposed to asbestos every year. Uh, I took them out. There's, there's at least 3,000 people a year die from mesothelioma. Uh, at least 125 million people a year are exposed to asbestos in the workplace. Uh, we anticipate that there will be, someone dies every five minutes from an asbestos-related disease. We anticipate that by the year 2030, 16 years from now, there will be, 10 to, there will be 5 to 10 million deaths from asbestos. And the fact is that more people die from asbestos-related disease than be killed in road accidents. Yeah, that's so, that's that's a horrible statistic to hear. Wasn't wasn't the I, um, weren't the twin towers weren't uh, weren't well, they, they wasn't? I live five well, blocks from the twin towers in my office, about six six or seven blocks. And well, the first it's tower, an interesting. 
there's an, I, was, I have an interesting point of view with respect to the World Trade Center, uh, if I may jump in real quick. Yes, um, please. Uh, Tony, uh, the, the, the World Trade Center was built um, essentially in the 1960s, but in some part of the 70s. Asbestos insulation was um, part of the uh, fireproofing that was used in those right. uh, buildings. Um, there was a, um, a remediation effort um, that took place, uh, and only one of the towers up to, I think, the 20th floor had uh, asbestos insulation remaining in it. So there were two issues that resulted from that fact. The first one is that after the towers collapsed, sadly, of course, the uh, workers who, or uh, I would use a different word, the emergency responders who right. flooded to the World Trade Center site in the immediate aftermath of the events, um, as you know, there was a lawsuit uh, commenced by those workers, many, many lawsuits, actually. They claimed exposure to uh, asbestos as one of the many t different types of right. environmental hazards. Um, that was one of the main uh, concerns uh, expressed in the underlying litigation. Um, but Andrew, if I, Tony if referenced it. Andrew, if I could, if I could get yep. you to, to hold right there for just a minute. We need to take a, a short break to identify the station and our sponsors. Um, kind of leave this as a bit of a cliffhanger uh, for, for Andrew's part two. Please be sure to come back and join us. Uh, we're going to step out for a quick break now. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. 
Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191, bqpm.com. Together, we are working for your safety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat at eccorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat. S-A-L-O-T at ECCCorp.org. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Dan Salat, Jr. Our show today, Beyond Recycling, Challenges of Chemical Cleanups, is about the issues surrounding the cleanup of and disposal of asbestos. I'm pleased to have Mr. Tony... Uh, Nacito, and uh, well, Tony's a, a pioneer in the specialized field of non-thermal EPA-approved destruction asbestos process, known as ABCOF method. As my guest today, as well as Mr. Andrew Schultz, senior partner, Goldberg Sagala. Um, We've been discussing uh, things related to asbestos, and while we were on break, I was uh, chatting a bit with both uh, Tony and Andrew about some of the things that went on. Apparently, they are, well, not apparently, they were sharing with me that they're both from the New York area and very close to the uh, Twin Towers. Let me mention before we get back with them, our sponsors, organizational sponsors, are the Hazardous Substance Free Mark Alliance and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance. You can find those on our website. You can go to uh, actually my new website, www.stansalot.com. There you will find links to the organizations. We also have business and quality process management. BQPM provides business process and quality management consulting, training, and software tools. You can find them at www.bqpm.com. And our goals uh, sponsor, Secure Components, LLC, independent distributor or specialized and obsolete, hard-to-find, specializes rather, in obsolete and hard-to-find component distribution. You can find them at www.securecomponents.com. So without further ado, let's get back to this discussion. I think, uh, Andrew, you were in the middle or just about to start talking about a uh, part two to your uh, your comments. I, I was essentially going to conclude that the those who toiled for the benefit of all New York City residents, um, emergency responders, uh, they, there were a there was a mass uh, uh, lawsuit about ten thousand lawsuits, and part of the claims were uh, uh, exposure. They were a uh, fear of cancer claims of exposure right. uh, to asbestos. Um, it's, it's more of a, uh, the larger story is that the, I think the, the, there is a big fear, um, although there was no one diagnosed with any asbestos-related condition, um, 
that if you are potentially exposed to asbestos, the you know people file lawsuits right away. Right. Um, and there are those, as Tony mentioned, who uh, are actually diagnosed with an asbestos-related disease such as mesothelioma. Those are uh-huh. very, very um, tough cases to, uh, from a litigant's point of view, um, because they are actually um, causally related to exposure to certain types of asbestos. But from the larger docket, the larger lawsuit world, um, there, what's flooded our court system is uh, filings of lawsuits that are not, say, per se, frivolous, but um, don't necessarily have a, a, a relationship to asbestos, but there are so many filings that you have to defend them, and many clients settle them, and that led to a lot of bankruptcies. And that, that's, that's true, because uh, uh, there was a couple of articles in the Wall Street Journal recently about uh, false claims of asbestos, and the asbestos reserves uh, are running out, and they're paying people, and they're going to be and insurance companies putting in eleven to twelve billion dollars a year into the asbestos reserves, according to ASBS. So what, what Andrew is saying is right. Everybody is exposed to asbestos every day. There's no question about it. And the people at the World Trade Center, I worry about my children not today. 25 years or 30 years from now, which asbestos disease takes time to develop inside the lungs, uh, you get asbestosis and then you get mesothelioma. Asbestosis is not cancer, but mesothelioma is, and I'm sure that uh, Andrew is an expert in the area of mesothelioma exposure. The problem with the exposure is no one knows where they get it from. Some people have worked in it, they know. But some people have it and have never worked in it, and they don't know where they get it from. So that's one of the issues, I believe, if I'm not right in. It's a horrible disease. It's one of the worst diseases you can get. Um, and it, it's a very painful um, disease, and essentially there's little cure, but science has gotten to the point where, you know, there is a, um, a somewhat better prognosis, uh, depending on how old you are, et cetera, uh, for some uh, additional months or years, um, so it is a it's a very very difficult diagnosis to receive. Um, but what is, you know, in the in the litigation context, uh, what is, what what you see are a lot of claims that aren't mesothelioma. Uh, you see a lung cancer involving someone who has smoked three packs per day through their whole life. Um, and then they say, oh, but I work with an asbestos-containing product, and as I mentioned earlier, there are different types of asbestos, and today the types of asbestos-containing products that are involved in the litigation are not the insulation that we spoke about earlier. They're, they're encapsulated products that are made from different fibers, and, you know, if you really look at a... Uh, a scientist will tell you that the exposure is, is minimal. Um, but this is the way our court system works, and, and by filing a lot of different claims, it piles on, courts get overwhelmed, um, it gets very expensive for companies, and that has led to a lot of bankruptcy. So um, the, the answering the question of, of, of why there are people who are diagnosed with mesothelioma but have no exposure, that's been a 
big uh, question in in uh, out there. Some people, um, some scientists will tell you that it's people are idiopathic. Um, some will say genetic, but there's really no um, there's no answer for a lot of different people. I would assume I would assume in in some cases, if not a lot of cases, we we first face the fact that if you ever potentially have a problem, you have to have done something appropriate in the legal system to protect yourself or at least position. And I'm kind of guessing at this, actually. I guess I'm asking the question. It seems like I have to take action to protect myself from the potential of a future issue with mesothelioma. Yourself and your family. Right. So is that part of this What's going on, or, or am I missing something? Well, yeah, I think the the the, the from a the different people defendants in the asbestos litigation have taken different approaches. Some are extremely aggressive and will go to trial um, on any case because they firmly believe that it is impossible for a plaintiff to have ever. Um, contracted mesothelioma through exposure to this type of product, which is, say, an encapsulated something or other um, with a different asbestos fiber that is not generally accepted by most um, to have a a relationship to mesothelioma. Um, That has been met with mixed results. Um, When I first started uh, doing asbestos litigation, I was very young, Um, the there was an overwhelming number of filings of what we call pleural plaques. Now, a pleural plaque is something that you get when you get an x-ray of your lung and, and they see they, there's a, a scarring on your lung. Those types of, and by the way, you, me, and every probably almost all the listeners in your audience have some sort of scarring on their lung. It's, right. uh, it, it, it's what everybody has, but that was the majority of the filings in the litigation. So you can imagine trying to defend against tens of thousands of claims going to depositions and how much that must cost an insurer and a, you know, a, a company that does well but, you know, has to pay significant millions of dollars in attorney's fees, it gets overwhelming. And a lot of companies may, have filed bankruptcy. May I interject that uh, it's probably the biggest industrial disaster in history and it's uh, the biggest litigation to swamp our courts, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Andrew. I mean, they knew yeah. this, is, this, is, this is something that uh, was known 2,000 years ago, that the uh, Greek Strabo and the well-known Roman uh, Pliny the Elder noticed sickness in the lungs of the, the uh, slaves that worked in the asbestos mine, the wolves, asbestos tablecloths, table napkins, uh, which for candles, uh, they noticed they had an early death. And in 1899, a British physician named Dr. H. Montague Murray recorded asbestosis for the first time. And in 1906, a uh, factory inspector, uh, his name was his name was uh, Erebold, noticed that 50 of his workers died of mesothelioma. In 1918, uh, the insurance companies upped their rates because they understood that asbestos was causing disease. And uh, in 1930, all the companies that manufactured asbestos 
knew that asbestos was dangerous, but never let it out to their workers. And we know who those companies are. Also, the health department, the health service, recognized the effects of asbestos uh, on human health, and they recommended guidelines, but then on the onset of World War II, this is in 1938, when World War II broke out, we expanded our military base, we built new military bases, we built the Pentagon, we built uh, uh, ships, we built new government buildings, and all of which had a, a varied amount of asbestos. I know the Pentagon had 28 million pounds of asbestos in it. Um, so, and then, uh, the Defense Logistics Agency during World War II stored around the country in different silos raw asbestos in case we couldn't get it, in case it, there was a shortage around the world. So that gives you some history of asbestos. Yeah. And that, and I, that gives I, you I think, uh, just picking up on what, what you're saying, I think it's important to note that um, there are different types of asbestos fibers. There is something called an ampable type of asbestos right. fiber, and that comes from generally raw asbestos. It's a, it generally, if you were to look at a picture of it, it's a curly, uh, looks like a hair. There are the other general type of um, asbestos fiber, uh, they're known generally as chrysotile, and that's right. essentially a straight, short um, type of fiber. The right. type of, the general science that most I, uh, I think most experts agree, is that exposure to certain doses of ampable asbestos, I don't want to get into the science too much, but that's what you find in the pipe insulation. That's what you find, uh, you know, uh, for cement, you know, things that were used in the type of products that you traditionally think to yourself, what is asbestos? Chrysotile asbestos was used in a lot of non-traditional types of products, and there's a raging debate about whether or not exposure to chrysotile asbestos can cause mesothelioma. They, that is they a big, say, big debate. I'm sorry about interrupting. They say that uh, there's, no safe, there's no safe exposure to asbestos. And I've read that over and over again. So the serpentine, which is chrysotile, is if you're exposed to enough, it is as dangerous. The amphiboles, which is there's five of those, which you say is a curly acetylized the one it looks like hair, uh, fiber. Uh, um, you're right, they, they're dangerous to the human health, and we don't know where we get it from. You say they are used, there's a combination of asbestos used in different types of materials, and they combinate the serpentines and the amphiboles. Sometimes just one, one serpentine and one amphibole, or two amphiboles and one serpentine. I mean, I've seen this over the years. That's why I say it's taken so long to develop this process. So it's, it's a matter of how you treat it, and you have to figure out the right formula to treat it. Let me, let me ask a question. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left here. When, you know, our audience is, is a mixed audience. Uh, it's a variety in a business environment that we uh, communicate with here on the radio. What is it that I, you know, as, as a consumer, is there anything either of you can suggest or would be advising that I pay attention to? Not that, not that I have to be scared of. I'm not trying to scare people, but you know, is there something out there in the day-to-day -day life or is this really things that are built into other things and it depends on the job you're doing? Uh, as, as a consumer, uh, if you're buying a new house, 
you want to make sure what year it was built, make sure there was no asbestos in it. Uh, there's a very amount of buildings have it in it. So you really can't tell as a consumer, there's no, they're not allowed to sell asbestos containing materials anymore, though it's not outlawed in the United States and it's still All used. Right. Yeah, but it's using brakes, it's using in, uh, in, uh, clutches, and it's uh, using cement uh, materials, and it's using a board, a uh, corrugated uh, cement board. So you really, really have to be asking questions uh, relative to whatever you're doing at the time. Andrews, uh, I understand that you have a train to catch. You're up there in that uh, snowy northeastern country as well. So um, we're we're coming up to that time. I I agreed that I'd let you know it's time to go catch your train. Any last comments before I let you run away from us? I do. I have something sitting on my desk for about 17 years from salt and pepper, from pepper and salt cartoon uh, that was in the Wall Street Journal. And the father was sitting on his couch looking at his son's report card with great disappointment and letting his son know how he felt. And the son replied, if your generation doesn't learn how to save the planet, it won't matter if my generation can't read or write. So that's my last comment. <laughs> well, Tony, don't go away. I, I'm, uh, I'm wanting to uh, send Andrew off on his mission there to get home tonight, but I'll be back with you, so don't go away, Tony. I wish you safe home, Andrew. Thank, thank you, Tony, and Stan, thank you very much. I, I would just conclude saying thank you for the opportunity, and, and I would just... If any consumer has any, uh, asbestos has been pretty much taken out of the, you know, the consumer product uh, area. But if anyone has any concern about whether a product may or may not contain asbestos, the general rule is just don't, you know, don't work with it, don't touch it, don't do anything that would make it friable, and and retain an expert like like Tony to determine what it is. Okay, that's, that's excellent advice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things we do deal with is counterfeit, and um, I'm going to ask uh, both of you to uh, join me again on a future show because I, I am aware of some of the things going on outside the U.S. where some of the regulations aren't quite as uh, strong as our own, and consequently we do attend, uh, at times, we potentially have the risk of receiving something with a hazardous substance such as asbestos in them. So Tony, or uh, Andrew rather, I'm going to wish you uh, a safe journey home and we're going to take a break here for just a, another radio identification and our sponsors will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. 
Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. Secure Components is your international certified supplier of obsolete and hard-to-find products. Specializing in counterfeit mitigation, Secure Components is a qualified supplier for the Department of Defense, Aerospace, Military, and Avionics Industries. If you're a business in need of hard-to-find or obsolete components, please contact us by visiting our website, securecomponents.com, or call us at 484-222-5195. Again, 484-222-5195. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is People to People, working for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to stan.salat.com at ecccorp.org. Again, that's stan.salat, S-A-L-O-T, at ecccorp.org. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat, Jr. Our show today, Beyond Recycling, Challenges of Chemical Cleanups. It's all about the issues surrounding the cleanup and disposal of asbestos. I'm pleased to have on the show today Mr. Tony Nacito, a pioneer in the specialized field of non-thermal EPA-approved destruction asbestos process, known as ABCOV method. Uh, Tony's uh, my guest, my technical guest on the show today, and we just uh, we had Andrew. Schultz with us as well, senior partner at Goldberg Sagawa. Um, we knew that he was up there in the northeast today where the snow is uh, piling up quickly, so we excused him. We let him go home so we wouldn't get caught. I think he had one train left to catch. Uh, you know, Tony, you're still with me there, right, Tony? Yes, yes, sir. Outstanding. Uh, you know, this thing called, uh, let me find it again, this EPA-approved destruction asbestos process known as ABCOV method, as I understand, you created that methodology. Yes, over a period of time. I first uh, went to the Bell Memorial Institute to have them do the research, the original research, and they had problems with insurance and asbestos. So I ended up in Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech did some research, and they said they did this in the lab, and I underwrote, I underwrote both of them. And uh, I then 
took it in the field. And like I say, it took 30 years because I see different types of material every time I do something. Uh, there's different uh, constituents in the, in the binder. And you have to know how to deal with that in order to destroy the asbestos have to get into it. So um, that's how I developed it. It was developed mainly in the field. Part of it was engineering, but the most part of it was visual. You had to see it, understand it, and understand how it operates. And that's the tricky part. So does this, does this method actually uh, eliminate the, the need to, to find a place in the ground to hide it or boxes to put it in and, and store it for the end of life? Let me explain to you. Well, it's just perpetual liability. And just keep in mind that all, all uh, hazardous waste or carry invent perpetual uh, uh, liability right. uh, in the future. It's an expense. Right. And what happens is when, especially if you move from a building, it's bagged, it's tagged, and let's say you and I own a building together. And right. We own it with asbestos, and asbestos is sent to a landfill. That landfill eventually becomes a Superfund site. Your name and my name are on those bags, and we're responsible. We're responsible. They call a responsible party to clean that asbestos up and move it to another site. There's also um, under circular, like I said, they have to make sure they permanently and and uh, significantly reduce the toxicity, the volume, and the mobility of a hazardous substance. And there's a regulation called 108B right now under the circular, under circular of Superfund, mm-hmm. okay. which requires companies that have a liability or a future liability to be able to put up some kind of an insurance policy, cash bond, or a bond for the future cleanup of that hazardous waste. There's also a law on a retired asset where the retired asset the utilities have a lot of them because they're closing down these coal plants. The retired asset falls under circular as well, or Superfund as well. And uh, they have to clean those up and get rid of any, any hazardous waste that they can get rid of. And this is governed, this, there was a, these, this is governed under the EPA regulations or the government regulation. Under, under OSHA uh, 20 CFR uh, 1910-1. Dot 1001, uh, NESHAP, which is 40 CFR Part 61. And the conver- conversion facilities are uh, regulated at 40 CFR 61-155. And there are burning facilities that are not efficient enough to do what I do, or efficient okay. enough to do what I do. Because number one, they're burning, they're using high electricity, and the regulation requires you to if you don't get it the first time, you put it through the process. My process follows the asbestos instruction right through process. doesn't leave the process till it's destroyed, and then it's put out the door. And in some states, you may have to have a variance for the process. In other states, you may have to have an air permit. In all states, you have to follow the solid waste regulation. So, now it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lengthy and uh, complex, uh, at minimum, it's a complex process of... Uh, dealing with it. Well, no, the longest part of the process is getting all the EPA approvals. I've got 80 EPA <laughs> approvals. And they took time because each time I did something new, I had to go back to EPA and right. say, This is what I did. 
and they gave me an approval for it. It takes three, four, maybe sometimes five months to get an approval. Wow. But it's EPA approved, so all the states accept, accept it. And uh, it's, it's, it's done right, it can be done right on site. You don't have to ship a special up to a landfill. You can take, you can recycle some of the material, you can put some of it to a cement kiln or a asphalt kiln. And some of it uses a little bit of material, especially the cement board. Wow. Okay. So, well, we're, we're um, you know, I, I can't say enough for how pleased I am that you were uh, available to join us today. I know I there is a lot more to talk about. Um, my line of work itself, we deal in counterfeit materials. That's part of uh, what we're doing in, in the organization, both hazardous substance and counterfeit. And I know that there's a lot more to talk about relative to what's going on in other countries. So I'm going to invite you back. Um, and I need to uh, do a little bit of housekeeping here. But if you've got another comment or two, we've got about uh, half a minute. And uh, again, I thank you. I thank you. And uh, if we can discuss other countries, we can talk about Australia, Nigeria, Africa, uh, India. There's wow. a lot of asbestos out there. Okay. Australia has, Telstra from Australia has tremendous problems. That's their phone company. Well, I will start talking with you about uh, the next time we get you on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tony. Thank you, Stan. I really appreciate what you did. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, We've been talking today about the disposal of asbestos. As I was mentioning to Tony, that uh, we are, the, the whole premise of the show is really talking about hazardous substance management, uh, educating, sharing knowledge with our listening audience. Uh, we want to bring people together to share knowledge and create a safe environment for all of us. You have undoubtedly heard of all the green product movement, all the things going on that relate to uh, safe and, um, if you will, safe and sane or safe products, things that uh, folks can buy and use with confidence that they're either uh, safe with respect to hazardous substances or safe in the sense that they don't harm you. Um, I'd like to share that uh, part of this is actually a call to action. We're looking for folks to uh, email us, to ask questions. One of the things that we're trying to accomplish here is to actually listen to our radio audience, to talk with them, to answer their questions. Uh, You can find us on our new website, www.stansalot.com. Uh, you can send us questions either to uh, through. Well, actually, go to that website, and there's a place in there for sending questions. Sign up for our newsletters and uh, work on that. I also want to mention, as we talked about last week on the show, the United Nations Office on uh, Drugs and Crime has launched a counterfeit campaign to address the issues, uh, the runaway issues, if you will, of counterfeit. These are all managed under various organizations and groups, but the most important, too, is the Hazardous Substance uh, Free Mark Alliance. That's an organization that's reaching out to the world to ensure that the chemicals of lead and mercury and cadmium, hexylvania chromate, and the fire retardants, PBD and PBDEs, are removed or at a low enough level that they don't affect 
uh, our lives when we buy and use products. You've heard over the years about lead paint and toys. You've heard about uh, the cadmium in drinking glasses. These are all things that we're working with industry to minimize, if not avoid completely. Unfortunately, recent reports indicate that the attempts to reduce this are not actually working as well as they were just a few years ago. And particularly lead and cadmium are on the rise again. There's reports that say it's up as much as 85% of the products being shipped around the world are not compliant. We also have the Counterfeit Avoidance uh, Organization, the Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, CAMA as it's referred to, and they're at www.counterfeitavoidance.org. Uh, you can also find them again, and you can ask questions, send us questions to uh, www.stansalot.com. Our sponsors, Business and Quality Process Management, BQPM, providing business process and quality management consulting, training, and software. Uh, you can find them at www.bqpm.com. And then our sponsor, our gold sponsor, Secure Components, independent distributor specializing in obsolete and hard-to-find components. There's a growing number of uh, distributors that do this type of work. Secure Components is the first one in the world to uh, attain the certification to a counterfeit detection and mitigation process controls. You can find them at www.securecomponents.com. I'd also like to uh, thank and recognize our folks that make all this possible. Uh, part of that is uh, Goldberg Sagala and the legal team there that keep me out of trouble. Today's guest, Tony Nacito, and the folks at Voice America. We have uh, a number of folks that make this all work. Brandy Jackson, the general manager, Robert Cellino, executive producer, Randy Jackson, uh, Jack Men, rather, the production manager, Jeff uh, Gersel, the director of host services, Brooke Ide, marketing and social media, and Yulia Coach, uh, branding and people-to-people -people production manager. I uh, also should mention our engineer, Justin, who keeps me on track here and is about to tell me that my time has run out for today. We wish you all the best. This is Stan Salat signing off, thanking all of you as our listeners. Tune in again next week, and we will bring you yet another episode of Working Together for Your Safety. Thank you for listening. Please join host Stan Salat Jr. for next week's edition of People to People, Working for Your Safety. We'll have another show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a safe, toxic, and counterfeit-free week.